Praise the Lord. Well, let's look at Psalm 91. Psalm 91 could easily be uh, <coughs> viewed as God's protection plan for you. Uh, but anyway, let's take a look at this. Uh, and when we look at this, we're going to look at it as Psalm 91 and you. You know, these things will work for you. Otherwise, you know, somebody sure is a great big liar. <laughs> uh, and then we, we would be talking about God there because this is his word. And um, Jesus even referenced this psalm when Satan tried to tempt him and say, Hey, why don't you just jump off this building here? And Jesus, I mean, for it's written, he'll give his angels charge concerning thee. So the devil even knows about Psalm 91. Anyway, so let's go back here. Psalm 91, let's, let's take a look at this. Uh, <clears throat> dealing with just you and me in this psalm here. Uh, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, let's just don't, you know, go off the deep end here and just say, well, my goodness, I don't know what this means. No, let me tell you something. The next 14 verses, 15 verses, 16, is that right? Yeah. Uh, we'll explain <laughs> what this means. It doesn't mean something that's not in this psalm here. Now, if you think just a minute here, uh, I know you've seen cartoons, I know I have, and when uh, all of a sudden somebody comes up behind someone, uh, they'll make it where you can see the shadow, and you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> well, in this case, the shadow is good for you and I, because he says here that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. David would write earlier in other Psalms, he'd say he would hide me in his secret place, uh, I'd be in his pavilion, and he'll protect me. He wasn't talking about, well, you know, I guess he'll protect me so that one day I can go to heaven. He's not talking about heaven here. He's talking about life's troubles and problems down here. And so let's keep going here. Uh, do you notice it says, it, it, he didn't say, you know, it is so impossible, you know, that uh, someone dwells in a secret place in the most high. I mean, this is, you might as well not even try. It's a, No, you're going to find out that Psalm 91, the key to Psalm 91 is to know it and to believe it. Wow. So let's go right on into verse 2. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. Now, there you go, right there. There is your key right there. What are we going to do? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to panic and freak out and just say that I'm in trouble. And one day when I get to heaven, I'm just going to say, God, I don't know why all this happened to me. <laughs> That's not trusting Psalm 91. That's not gearing up for the challenge. That's running away from Goliath. You know, that's not saying, well, I'll get him king like David did. No, that's running away. You know, what are we going to do? I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. I know when Moses was trying to tell the uh, uh, <clears throat> children of Israel when they got all the way to the promised land, the second time, this is when all the younger ones were going to go in. He warned them one more time. He said, listen, there's going to be greater nations in there than you are. They're going to be bigger. They're going to be badder, whatever. But he said, don't worry about it. Your God will get you through there and will cause you to have victory against your enemies. I mean, and of course, he did. He did. Joshua went right over there, and the walls of Jericho were facing him right in the face. And you can read this for yourself in Joshua. And I mean, I tell you what, they marched around that thing. It wasn't that, you know, hey, we're just so great. We're just so wonderful, whatever. No, God, again, did it for them. Wow. Anyway, so let's go back to this. So he says, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. You know, the beauty of Psalm 91 is when you're in trouble, you can just grab this thing, pull this thing out, say it out loud, and it's already in the proper words for you and I. I mean, you know, if, it, if this really was so, of course, I'm being funny here. It really is so. 
you know, wouldn't it be calming to you and I? It would calm us down if we could say, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. What would you trust? You would trust that he's your refuge and that he's your fortress. Well, I wonder what things he really is a fortress for or whatever. Maybe just kind of like a little mental pressure, you know. Uh, I mean, he, he, God cannot be there for when you got real serious problems. Oh, really? Well, look at verse 3. It says, Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, Your adversary, the devil, seeking whom he may devour. I mean, whether we like it or not, there is an outlaw angel in this world. It's so easy to tell. If you go back and you, you look over the things that even Hitler has done, and he wasn't the first one. We got some other crazy ones that were out there. You know, all the wars and such that did so much devastation to this planet and whatever. I mean, you're never going to be able to convince me that that was the hand of Jesus because it's not. And it's not, well, you got to win some, lose some. No, you want to defeat all that stuff. That stuff is horrible. Anyway, life uh, throws horrible things at us too. And it looks to me like Psalm 91 is telling us, hey, he will deliver thee. And notice it starts out with that girl's name, Shirley. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. But, you know, we shouldn't forget that. Shirley. We, we, we trip up sometimes. We just think, well, you just never know. You know, it's, you know I mean, I don't know if God's going to do it. No, it's Shirley. See, this is where our responsibility comes in. We have to believe. You've got to gussy yourself up and say, you know what, I believe this. And just tell the Lord you believe this stuff. I mean, God's not upset with you believing him. He's proud of you. And he's going to help you. The angels are proud of you. The Bible says the angels are watching over his word to perform it. Trouble is, many of us don't know any of the scriptures, so there's not anything the angels can watch over. You know, I'm telling you. <clears throat> All right, back to this. Verse 3. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. So in other words, the bad guy's out there to try to get you, but guess you what? Guess what? Uh, God's going to get you out. Notice this. It says, and from the uh, perilous pestilence. You know what that is? You looked it up in another translation, and it's deadly disease. Oh, my goodness. Well, of course, Jesus doesn't heal anybody today. Oh, really? Well, how come your Bible says in James chapter 5, is any sick among you? How come Jesus left us with this command in Mark 16, they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover? And why does it say in just Psalm 103 that David said boldly, he forgives all my iniquities and heals all my diseases? You know, we have got things so backwards where it comes to personal health and things like that coming from Jesus. It's almost like, well, you know, he's not hes not going to do it. No, yeah, Yes, he will. Matter of fact, I just read, I read yesterday when they tried to tell Jesus in uh, Luke chapter 13, they said, you better get out of town. You know, Herod's going to kill you. Actually, it's Luke 14. And Jesus said, hey, you tell Herod, you tell that fox. Jesus called him a fox. <laughs> he said, I cast out devils today and tomorrow I do healing. No, he said, today and tomorrow I do healings. I mean, wow, Jesus today is doing healings and tomorrow he's doing healings. Well, nonetheless, Hebrews uh, 13, 8 says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know where the trouble lies? It's we're not saying he's doing anything today. We're convinced he's not. But I tell you what, you and I today, we're going to say he is. Because look what he says there. He will deliver you from the perilous pestilence. Wow. Wow. That's fantastic. Now look at verse 4. Of course, he switches gears and talks about your problems and how you need to straighten up your life. No, he doesn't. That's even mention those. Listen, we all have troubles. We all make mistakes, and God understands that. That's the reason we have forgiveness. Notice in verse 4, he gets even deeper into the water, saying he will help you. Look what he says. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings shall you take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Now, you know what his shield is? You know what his truth is, that is? That's his word. 
It's just like reading Psalm 91. It builds up your hope. Your faith just grows and you start thinking, you know what? God will take care of me. Please put the pressure over on the Word of God. Begin to say, you know what? This belongs to me. I'm going to stand here and watch it work. Notice again in verse 4, he shall cover you with his feathers. Remember we already said in verse 1, he's a shadow over you, but it's a good thing. He's there to protect you. I mean, you see this big, bad, whatever problem's in front of you, no matter what it is, I don't care what it is. If it's a problem to you, listen, you've got a shadow over you telling you you're in a secret place of the Most High God. He's your refuge. He's your fortress. He's going to get you out. He will. Well, let's see what happens in verse 5. Surely he'll start talking about people in Africa or whatever and people we need to care about and we've got to quit worrying about our own selves. Nope. Verse 5 is more about you and I. Sure, we care about people in Africa, but you know what? We can't help them if we don't think our God can help us. All right, look at verse 5. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. How many times have you not been able to fall asleep at night? Man, I know I have several times. You just get scared of something. Maybe it's a worry, a fear, or whatever. Or maybe you physically think somebody's trying to come in sometime, and you're like, oh, no, oh, no. Well, it says here, you shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. Stray bullets. I mean, not many people are shooting at us with bow and arrows today. What about nuclear? <laughs> whatever. Oh, man. God says he'll protect you. And he says you'll not be afraid. You know, I would be looking for that not being afraid, especially when, you know, I am afraid. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of another great verse in uh, Philippians chapter uh, uh, 4. He says, And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I wonder why that is. Well, the verse preceding it said that uh, in everything by prayer, because you'd be praying. You're supposed to put your request out before the Lord. Ask the Lord to help you. And when you do, you're going to find out, you know what? I believe he is. He's going to help me. Well, how do you know he's going to help you? Psalm 91 says he'll help you. You'll not be afraid for the terror by night. God, can you imagine sleep? He didn't say the terror was over with. He didn't say, well, everything's wonderful. You know, you'll not be afraid because everything's wonderful. No, this is at the point where things are totally horrible. But guess what God will do to you? Just like your mother holding you in your arms as a child. I mean, your mother knows they're not going to get you, but you don't. But your mother or your daddy will come in and comfort you, and you're like, Hey, I'm okay. Mom and Dad's here, you know. <laughs> I remember those days. Well, let's see what happens. That was verse 5. Let's see what happens here in verse 6. Nor the pestilence that walketh in darkness. Now, guess what that is again? It's that deadly disease. Well, the bubonic plague, it's wiping out people. Well, the bird flu. Well, this or cancer or whatever. Oh, my goodness. I just dread it. One day it's going to get me. Well, you know what? If you believe Psalm 91... You're going to have to back up a little bit, and you're going to have to begin to say, you know what, the Lord is my refuge, and I'm not going to worry about this stuff. He's going to keep this stuff off of me. You know, he didn't say God would get you through this. He said he would keep it off of you. Wow, where, where have we been? You know, if you go back and look at the life of Jesus, how many people did he refuse to heal? You're going to find out there was none. There was none. How many people did his disciples refuse to hear when uh, to heal when Jesus gave them a power and authority to heal all manner of sickness? none. Then he turned around in Luke chapter 10 and he gave the same power to the 70 disciples. Yeah, there was 12 and then there was 70 others and they went out. And then guess what? You can look it up yourself in Mark chapter 9. Uh, Peter, uh, James and John found somebody who wasn't even part of the group and he was going around healing people in the name of Jesus. And they said, Lord, we told him to cut it out. <laughs> and Jesus said, don't tell him to cut it out. He's on our side. He said, nobody can do a miracle in my name and speak evil of me. Wow. 
So guess what? That power is out there. God wants you to be well. You, know, you, you can't look at the face of a little child when he's come down with something terminal like leukemia and say, well, bless your darling heart. You got lucky. You got leukemia. Isn't that great? No, your heart goes out. Let me tell you something. God's heart goes out too. And we've had it so backwards when we think that we're just supposed to sit back and let this stuff just tear us all up. No, we're not. God will help us. We just got to do our part here and find out he's there. Anyway, back to this. So he says in verse 6, Nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Well, you know, it's coming. You know, I saw a little show the other day, and it was a historic fact about a tsunami that hit in Alaska a long time ago. And, oh, man, what horrors that was, you know. But notice this. It says, Nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Now, Richard, you mean to tell me that God will protect me no matter what kind of... uh, I didn't say that. We're just reading what God says. God said that. But I believe it. <laughs> I mean, this is this is what builds your hopes. I mean, you can either close it right now, turn 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 me off, don't listen to this, go back to believing that you know, well, life is just horrible, and you're getting your dose of it, and there's nothing you can do. Well, go ahead, but you're going to be missing out on a lot of great fun here, because God doesn't want you to live that way. Otherwise, He would have ripped Psalm 91 right out of this Bible, of mine and yours. He would have also stated everywhere else that Psalm 91 is not for you. But that's not true. It's always for you. And every time you read it, it's written as though it was alive today. Look at verse 7. We're in the seventh verse, and he's still talking about you being protected. Look at this. A thousand may fall at your side. In other words, a thousand people just got killed standing right beside you. What would you think next? Well, I know what I would think outside of this book right here. I would think, well, I'm going to be a thousand and one. (laughs) Here I go. I'm going down. This is it. But no, wait a minute. In the light of this, the Lord's telling me, though a thousand fall at my side, and look at this, and 10,000 at your right hand, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So now we're looking at 11,000. 11,000 people around you just bit the dust. But guess what God says about you? But it shall not come near you. Oh my goodness. Now how can that be? Well, now look, we're talking about God here. I mean, listen, God created the heavens and the earth. We're talking about all these myriads of angels. That means a lot of angels. They are there encamped about you. You're not going to toss the angels aside and have destruction and whatever take over uh, and, and, <laughs> and defeat God. That's not going to happen. God will protect you. You know, if you spend more time reading the Bible, you would find out, you know what? God protects his people, you know. If you go look. Now, I know tragedy hits people. But I'm telling you, if you go look and find out people that got in there and found out, you know, God, please help me get me out of trouble, he got them out. He'll get you out too. I mean, why is it we want to believe that in under all situations, under no matter what happens, we're the one that's going to be wiped out? When you got Psalm 91 saying you're not, you know. You know, if it, gets, if it, if it, if it kills anybody, it's going to kill me. I mean, why do we want to believe that kind of stuff? Don't. Believe God's word. Anyway. Let's keep going here. So he goes on in verse 8. Wow. Only with your eyes shall you see, you look and see the reward of the wicked. Wow. He's just going to see it with your eyes, but it's not going to come near you. Now verse 9, he sums it all up. Why? Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. Notice he didn't say, because you're a Christian. It's just because you're a Christian. These things just happen. No, they don't either. 
You think Peter was a Christian when he was walking on the water going to, to Jesus? Of course he was a Christian. Well, you go back and read that story. Jesus is walking on the water. Peter says, if it's you, Lord, bid me to come. Or in other words, tell me to come see you. Walking on the water. And Jesus said, well, come on, Peter. So is Peter a Christian? Well, obviously. He called him Lord, didn't he? He believes in him. He's walking on the water. But guess what? Peter got to looking at the wind and the waves and how bad it was out there weather-wise. And guess what? He started to be afraid. And then guess what happened? Beginning to sink. Well, I guess Peter wasn't a Christian. No, it had nothing to do with your Christianity. It's got nothing to do with you believing that there's a God. It's got everything to do with what we like to try to tell people. Hold yourself together. Get yourself together. It's also another word. We, we sum all that up and it's called what? It's called faith. You've got to get a hold of yourself. I'm telling you, when things go wrong, let's just say a thousand at your side just bit the dust. <laughs> well, then what happens when 10,000? Get a hold of yourself and realize, you know what? God is going to protect me. I mean, I, I just love this psalm. It's fantastic. But anyway, he says, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. So in other words, you make him your refuge too, just like verse 2 says. Look at verse 10. No evil shall befall you. And then it says, nor shall any plague, that means a sickness or a disease or some sort of deadly problem, whatever, come near your dwelling. I'm telling you, you know, uh, you know, we would be so much further down the road if people knew more about how Jesus heals. I mean, we just, we, I mean, we just, over the years, we've just wrapped it all up in saying, you know, well, God doesn't do it anymore. And uh, he's replaced all his healing with hospitals. Oh, yeah, great, yeah can't get a doctor to come do surgery because he's you know he's on the golf course oh yeah that's really the lord plus the doctor might not even believe in jesus you know i mean <laughs> you're not gonna uh, uh convince me that medical science is god's cure the whole time because guess what they're not hitting 100 percent. i tell you what but the bible speaks of a different way it's not that we throw out medical science praise god for it you know a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Jesus even called himself a physician. He said, surely you will say unto me this proverb, physician, heal thyself. You know. And Jesus also said, those that are well don't need a physician, but those that are sick. Praise God. But you know, you can just write things off. I mean, you can, I mean, I tell you, you get you a good case of poison ivy, and guess what? You'll think you're doomed until you get over it. I'm telling you what, there's something you can do about it. You ever prayed about that poison ivy? I know I have. I've seen that stuff come up on me, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> here goes. I'm going to look like a leper here in a little bit. <laughs> but then you think, oh, wait a minute. Wait just a minute here. If the name of Jesus has any power at all, it's going to help me with this poison ivy. And guess what? It will. And you'll see the effect of it. Same thing with a sore throat. Yeah, still take your tablet, take your sore throat medicine or whatever. But I tell you what, I, I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to believe God's going to help me. This stuff works for me. It works. You know, nobody will ever rip Psalm 91 out of my hand because the Lord is my refuge. He is my fortress, and I will say <laughs> of the Lord. Well, let's keep going here. So he says, verse 11, For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. You know, isn't it neat to know that God will keep his angels uh, around you no matter where you go? He didn't say, well, God will give you angels as long as you're going to church. You know, to and from church, he'll give you angels. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Oh, man. I mean, it's like, I'm going to be okay between here and church. It's my everyday activities where I need some help at. Well, it's what God's Word says. He'll give His angels charge. You know what charge means? It means command. He has already commanded His angels to protect you. 
Wow. Anyway, look at verse 12. So what does that do? In their hands. Yep. Do you know angels have got you in their hands? I mean, they are. I mean, you can believe what you want to. You can just say you're on your own and you're just doomed or whatever. And you can, you can just live a life completely defeated. Or you can find out that these angels are there trying to help you. And they are. In their hands they shall bear you up. Look at this. Lest you dash your foot against a stone. You mean God cares that much about your little toe? Yes, he does. <laughs> he really does. I really think God gets a kick out of you walking through the house at night and all of a sudden hitting your foot on the corner or something, or even hitting your head. I and mean, we have so much compassion for a little baby. When a baby hit, turns around, he doesn't know it. He's, uh, the baby has, does not have enough sense to know to turn and watch out. And a lot of times, unfortunately, maybe another adult has said, oh, oh, hey, look here. And oh, the child turns to look and turns into the banister or something. Oh, my goodness. How our hearts pour out for that. Isn't that right? Well, guess what? God feels the same way. Aren't we called the children of God? I, I, we have this, we've got this so much in our mind that God just loves for us to have things happen to us that are bad. And I'm telling you, that's not true. It's not true. You can see it here in Psalm 91. They'll bear you up in their hands. You know, this wasn't written for babies. This wasn't written for kids. Uh, historically, this psalm is supposed to have been written by Moses. Moses? Yeah. <laughs> Moses wrote this. Good night. Wonder what he knew about God. He knew a lot, didn't he? He stuck his hand into his, into his shirt one time like Napoleon and pulled it out, and it was completely leprous. And God said, stick it back in your shirt. And he stuck it back in his hand and pulled it out. And it was completely like a baby's hand. In other words, the skin was returned to normal. Wow. God was showing him to try to tell him that don't worry about going before Pharaoh. But Moses was scared. Oh, I can't go say nothing to Pharaoh. I'm too scared. What are you choosing me for? God said, hey, that rod you got in your hand, throw it down to the ground. He threw it down to the ground and it became a snake. <laughs> and Moses ran from it. Ah! <laughs> But what did God say, dude? God said, go down there and Rick, grab that snake by the tail. And he did. As soon as he did, it became a rod again. Notice it didn't bite the daylights out of him. God didn't leave his arm full of leprosy. No, he healed him. Praise the Lord. He'll do the same thing for you. Anyway, uh, so uh, looking at verse 13. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. What? Yeah. I'll tell you, uh, you know, snakes are not God's tool, you know, to make you a better Christian. No. When you run across these things, you're going to tread upon them. Even the lion. I mean, I don't really want to go to Africa, but if I found myself in Africa, I tell you what, I'd be finding myself reading Psalm 91. <laughs> oh, you know. But anyway, no matter what, you could run across, it don't matter about no uh, lion, but you, you're trying to visit somebody and they got a big dog or whatever, and it's like, oh my goodness, I don't want to get bit here. Uh, you need to realize you've got angels in camp about you, and don't worry about that dog. You're going to be protected here. Anyway, you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, and the young lion and the serpent. Wow. You shall trample under uh, foot. Wow. I, I guess that was for somebody else. It's not for us. No, he's still talking about you, isn't he? Now look at verse 14. Because he's been so perfect. Because he's never made a mistake in his life. No, that's not what it says. It says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. I wonder what he means by known his name. Well, we know that God is our helper. You know, Psalm 46 verse 1 says, he's a very present help 
in time of trouble. But a lot of times as Christians, we don't even believe that. We're like, oh my gosh, this is one, we're out of the frying pan, into the fire. I have no help today. Nobody will help me. I mean, you know, basically we're saying, where's God when you need him? You know, God's just, matter of fact, we've, we've gotten to where we believe, you know, that, well, the problem is, is really God. So really he's there. He sent the problem. That is so backward. Jesus even talked about things like that. He said a kingdom divided against itself. How can that stand? How can Satan cast out Satan? So in other words, the troubles that come your way, God sent them to you. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. And if that's so, then the new heavens and the new earth, wherein there's nothing that offends. I mean, we might as well start this whole thing over again because problems are good for us. No, problems are not good for us. They'll kill you if you let them. Anyway, look at verse 15. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Well, I guess this fellow here was just a super Christian. You know, he just never made any mistakes. No, that's not it. Mm -mm. It's just because he knew God and he trusted God. Look at the very last verse. This is amazing. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I mean, we got to quit thinking that, you know, well, you know, <clears throat> you never know. When your number comes up, you're gone. So I guess a little kid, when you start teaching little kids that their number may come up when they're three and four and five years old. You never know. When your number comes up, little boy, you might have to go. Yeah, let's don't teach them the first commandment with promise, which is honor your father and mother, that it may be well with you and you'll live long on the earth. See, God wants you to live long. He promised Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. He says, you'll live to be a good old age. And Abraham did. And guess what? That promise belongs to you, according to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29. You're blessed with faithful Abraham. <laughs> so what does Psalm 91 mean to me? Well, what does it mean to you? It belongs to you. Every time you read it, you're going to find it belongs to you. And every time you open up your Bible, you're going to find it in Psalm what? 91.